This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 1203, October 5th, 2022. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us for the Wednesday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. The OPEC Plus Alliance of Oil Exporting Countries has decided to sharply cut production to support sagging oil prices. We'll discuss the fallout in our next segment, but right now, a report on private sector employment is out ahead of Friday's government jobs report for September. We're joined by Greg McBride, chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And Greg, the Institute for Supply Management said today its non-manufacturing PMA dipped to a reading of 56.7 last month, but that's still good news news when we're considering growth in that services sector, correct? It's continued growth, and it's really only a very slight deceleration from a month ago, which I think in and of itself is is comforting. There's been a lot of concern about what's going to be the economic fallout of the aggressive Fed moves, uh, and to see a manufacturing sector that's still expanding uh, and, and not showing much deceleration month to month, I think pretty encouraging. And again, what would this, uh, again, we know that this report is sort of looking backward, but can we take that information and potentially use it to project what's going to come next? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the good news is it, it, it really underscores this idea that you know consumer spending is still quite strong. Uh, 70% of economic output ties back to consumer spending. Uh, so this, that uh, non-manufacturing index really measures a lot of things like services spending, uh, those type of things. And when, when that remains robust, uh, you know, that that bodes well for the economy. Yes, the economy will slow, but uh, you're not seeing a significant slowdown or significant signs of worry showing up in these indexes at this point. Now, let's shift gears a little bit because ADP, ADP rather reported that businesses have added uh, just around 208,000 jobs in September. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's also better than expected. It is, and a big upward revision uh, to last month's number as well. So you, you've got a very strong labor market, people are working, people are continuing to spend. Uh, you know, I think all of that really kind of underscores the, the strength with which the economy has has carried. Even as it slows, it's still slowing from a position of, of relative strength. I think the only one that's really not happy to, with these types of numbers are the Federal Reserve because it complicates their job. They're trying to get the uh, job market a little bit more back into balance, uh, trying to get inflation under control by reducing demand. And this it really, I think, uh, you know, keeps them uh, very vigilant on, on raising interest rates and raising re- interest rates at a fairly rapid clip. How big of a factor are job numbers when it comes to the Fed looking to, to tackle inflation here? You know, on the one hand, it's a bit of a lagging indicator. So it's not where we, we're going to look and see first for signs of, of, you know, a broader economic slowdown. But the Fed themselves and Jerome Powell, the chairman, has 
sing- singled out the, um, uh, the, the, the what we see in the Jolts report earlier this week, for example, that you know, the number of open jobs for unemployed people, that ratio had been as high as two to one, that that really signifies something that's out of balance and needs to come down. So, you know, w- when the Fed chair himself kind of points the finger at a particular statistic, you know, I think that, you know, really uh, focuses attention on the fact that the Fed themselves is really looking at some of these metrics uh, as an important gauge when they're making monetary policy. And just quickly, Greg, are there certain sectors where we're seeing more growth, more opportunity for jobs than others? Well, you know, healthcare has continued to be pretty strong. You're, you're still seeing a lot of job recovery in things like leisure uh, site spending. Uh, still payrolls lower than they had been pre-pandemic, but you've still seen pretty robust recovery month after month as people continue to spend. Thanks so much, Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com. Coming up, efforts to try to stifle production cuts by OPEC and its allies. Well, they're coming up short. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Biden administration reportedly pulling out all the stops in a last-ditch effort to get allies in the Persian Gulf to stop or limit oil production cuts by OPEC and its partners. Let's get the latest from Tom Close, a longtime energy analyst at Oil Price Information Service based in New Jersey. And Tom, help us understand, does the White House have any cards that it can play to prevent uh, OPEC Plus's decision to cut oil production by, what is it, 2 million barrels per day? Yeah, Rachel, I I would say a couple of things. They don't really have cards to play, certainly not a Trump card or whatever, but uh, the cut of 2 million is not a cut of 2 million. It's a cut of about 800,000 barrels. The problem we have is that, uh, you know, we're dealing with a cartel, and I would say most capitalists would say it's a reprehensible entity, uh, and it's cartel plus Russia, Kazakhstan, or whatever. So you can't deal with them in the way you would negotiate with normal entities. Uh, The problem is is that you take 800,000 barrels a day less crude from OPEC, and you take a million barrels a day of sales out of strategic petroleum reserve that are going to end in November, and you do get up to about 2 million barrels a day. So this is something that's going to haunt the United States and and the rest of, of the world for really the next few years or so. It's it's a strained relationship between the White House and the OPEC cartel, and I believe it should be a strained relationship. Cartels are not good things. Well, let's talk about the implications that this has for, for those of us who head to the pump. We can certainly expect prices to increase with a production cut. You can expect it over time, but I, I don't think we're going to get back to numbers necessarily that we saw last February and March where we had 120 $130 barrel crude. Uh, in your area, for example, a lot of the crude oil comes from Canada, and it's probably trading at about $70 or less right now. So it's not that bad. The head fake that's occurred is that we've got a shortage of refining right now this month, and we've got more refineries probably scheduled to close in the next few years. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful to talk about being weaned off of fossil fuels, but it's going to be very expensive to do that. So, uh, and just as a note for you folks uh, up there in the Great Lakes, you had just a tremendous, tremendous increase in prices that was tied to refinery issues. Uh, that's still continuing, but you'll probably flip back a little bit here 
uh, as the market has given up something today. Thanks so much. Tom Close, a longtime energy analyst for Oil Price Information Service. Up next on Personal Finance Wednesday, making sure money doesn't get in the way of your personal relationship. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and in this segment, we're talking about the art of coupling when it comes to money. We welcome Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning at Morningstar here in Chicago. And Christine, this is just a critical conversation for couples to have, uh, I guess, at any point in a relationship, and that's sort of discussing your finances and when to merge them. Absolutely. It's one of the main things that couples disagree about. So it's better to have those conversations open up lines of communication super early in the relationship. All right. Well, you're the expert here. How do you even start a conversation like that other than this is my money and here's what I want to do with it? It feels like it could be a little uncomfortable at times. Well, it's helpful to be open about your money histories, to start that conversation early in your relationship. Don't wait until you're getting ready to get married before you're having those discussions about any sort of skeletons in your closet. But I think one really nice way for couples to bridge the cap the gap on money matters is to talk about shared goals, to do some visioning around shared goals. What are we trying to achieve as a couple in our lives? And of course, there will be financial implications of some of those goals. So I think that's a great positive starting point for the conversation, trying to find those areas of commonality where your, your, your goals for the future are the same. Well, and I can tell you, even in those conversations of, of trying to decide what the future holds and what's next, it really can be so beneficial when you pull your assets together and, and merge some of your finances, because now you're thinking, oh, this is suddenly within reach or, you know, a, a little bit more achievable than maybe first thought. That's right. And, you know, the nice thing about goals is that you can have faraway goals, but you can also have near-term goals. And I think if you achieve those goals, like we want to tra- take this trip next year, and here's about what our budget is, and then you're both saving and you're both working toward that goal, hitting those shorter-term goals is a great way to empower yourselves for those bigger goals that you might want to achieve down the line. What advice do you have for, for couples that maybe aren't on the same page when it comes to their finances? Or, or, or there are times when, yes, it makes sense to pull our money together with, with one thing, but maybe I want to keep one account separate. How do they navigate those waters? It's tricky, and I will say there's no one ideal way for couples to manage this. I know very healthy couples who are completely unified financially, where all the accounts are joint, and other couples, and I would say this is a little more common among younger couples where they've very much gone their own way, where they continue to maintain their accounts. So it's important to figure out what your style is as a couple with respect to keeping things separate or or merging them together. Uh, When there is a disagreement, the most common gulf is you've got one kind of live for today 
spendy sort of person in the couple and you've got someone who is better about deferring gratification and better about pushing things into the future. I think a, a way to bridge that gap is to acknowledge that both modes of thinking are valid and try to take the best of what each of you has to offer. If that is the gulf in your relationship, acknowledge that there's validity to both points of view and then go from there. Thanks so much, Christine Benz, Director of Personal Finance and Retirement Planning at Morningstar here in Chicago. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, the relationship between your 401k account and a bear market. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson, in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden getting a first-hand look at the devastation following Hurricane Ian in Florida. This is Rob Hart. A student is dead and a roommate is in custody after an overnight homicide in a Purdue University residence hall. In Personal Finance Wednesday, strategies to maximize your retirement account during a bear market. Plus, more people are using vacation time to improve their sleep habits. WBBM business losses continue on Wall Street as the Dow now down 36 points, the Nasdaq off 63, and the S&P 500 down 11 points. AccuWeather says this afternoon we will see sunshine behind some clouds, a high of 76 degrees, mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 53, then cloudy again tomorrow, maybe some afternoon or evening showers and spots with a high around 70 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. President Biden is in Florida today to see the damage done by Hurricane Ian. Here's CBS News White House correspondent Stephen Portnoy. Aides say Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will be part of the operational briefing the president will receive from federal state and local officials. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says politics and the recent Florida-funded flight of migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard will not come up. There will be plenty of time to, dis- to, plenty of time to discuss differences between the president and the governor, uh, and, but now is not the time. Mr. Biden is also expected to meet with those who lost their businesses and homes in the storm. Losses from the hurricane could go as high as $47 billion. A student at a college in Indiana is dead following an incident inside a residence hall overnight. A Purdue University spokesperson says the 911 call from McCutcheon Hall came into campus police shortly before 1 o'clock in the morning. Police say the suspect is a roommate of the victim and made the 911 call. That person is now in custody. Police say it's an isolated incident, that there's no threat to the campus in West Lafayette, Indiana. In a message to Purdue students, University President Mitch Daniels said the campus is safe and that counseling and support services are available to students who need them. Rob Hart, 105.9 WBBM. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. And Paul, uh, what do you make of what you're seeing on on Wall Street today? Nice to be with you again, Rachel. I think really it's just a little bit of a correction from the run-up that we've seen over the last two days. The market's gone up over 5% in two days. After really being depressed for the prior three weeks, so I think they're trying to figure out if this is a bottom or not. And some of it is revolving around whether the Fed is going to ease on the break, if you will, from their rate hiking cycle. And that's still up for discussion. And that's, I think, what's really moving the markets around. 
You mentioned, too, that we've seen a rally the last couple of days and obviously a bit of a contrast today. So is is what we're seeing now considered profit taking? Are we seeing people pull their money out of the market? A little bit. I mean, anytime that you get a, a two-day rally of 5 to 6% and some stocks are up 10 to 15%, that's not a bad year for a lot of those companies. So, yeah, you do see some people taking some money off the table, especially given what we've seen this year so far. So as we get those types of short, sharp rallies, investors tend to want to say, well, you know, I missed it. selling earlier. This is probably a good time to do it and take a little bit of money off the table. But from a longer-term perspective, stocks are starting to look a little bit more interesting here. Let's talk a little bit about the reason behind the rally we saw the last couple of days. Is this also maybe an assumption that the Fed isn't going to be as aggressive moving forward in its efforts to to tackle inflation? Uh, Is the thought that that the worst is behind us? Uh, We've had that thought before, and that was part of the market rally leading up to Jackson Hole. And then when Chair Powell came out at Jackson Hole and said, hey, by the way, we're going to be raising rates. And they did so at the press conference at their last meeting. Mm -hmm. And the Fed governors all last week came out and said, by the way, our job is not yet done. We really haven't heard much since then. And the markets are now looking at some of the weaker economic data that we got earlier this week and today and saying you really have to pay attention to the economic data, and that should mean that the Fed steps aside. Whether they do or not, we'll know for sure when they meet in November. Do you see any sectors right now that that people should be paying attention to, or sort of on the flip side of that coin, that people should be avoiding? Uh, I think in general, the thesis that we've been going with for a long time now is that value in general is better than growth. So technology uh, probably has a little bit more. uh, It's going to struggle at keeping up with value and value would be healthcare, financials, maybe some of the industrials. And these are parts of the market that have really been neglected over the last 10 years or so in favor of the top technology sectors. And we think that script gets flipped a little bit over the next three to five years. So maybe not in the short term, but we think over the longer term, value has a a good role to play for investors. And uh, what areas of the market maybe, uh, I'll use the word scare, it might be a bit strong, but, but what's cause for concern? Uh, you know, anything that a lot of speculation, we've seen a lot of that come out of the market. We talked about a lot of the SPAC companies, those special acquisition companies that are bringing companies public. We had the meme stocks back a, a while back. They're chasing stocks based on uh, what people are saying about a, a certain company uh, that may be shorted heavily. A lot of those, uh, a lot of that froth has come out of the market. Part of the reason it's down like it is. But those types of speculative activities, uh, we really want to stay away from. Thank you so much. Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, we'll discuss some retirement strategies during a bear market. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. This is Personal Finance Wednesday. It's also a bear market, and that has many people worrying about their retirement savings. But let's put things into perspective with the help of Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner and Founder of Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Ed, great to have you with us. Uh, there's sort of two trains of thought here. And the, the one train is sort of the young investors who have time to really build their 401k. The other is uh, a train of those about to retire. So maybe let's start with the good news and what it would mean for young investors amid a bear market. 
Yeah, what a great opportunity, Rachel, for young investors to really take advantage of lower prices in the stock market. There's such a great opportunity of being able to put capital to work through your 401k and just regular contributions into the market and buy more and more shares. I mean, if you think about it, when the markets are at all-time highs, you can only put you can only buy so many shares with your investment dollar. And now that we're 20, 30, and in other areas, potentially 40% lower, what a great way to sort of build wealth over the long run by doing compounding and by doing dollar cost averaging. Okay, now let's look at the other side of this uh, analogy and, and think about the individual who's who's close to retirement, thinking about retirement, and, and really concerned that there's no rebound in the near future. Yeah, and this is something we face often with our clients when we're talking to them. Someone in their 60s who are looking at retiring, they have to realize that your time horizon theoretically is 20 plus years. So that's a lot of years ahead of you. And while you not necessarily want to be taking a lot of risk, you have to remember you want to keep ahead of inflation. And if there's one thing that the equity markets have shown us over the long run is they definitely keep ahead of inflation. So for most, if not all investors, having some money in the market is very helpful. But yes, you've got to be aware of your risk tolerance and how much money is at risk at any particular time, especially if you're not able to recoup those losses. So would you recommend for someone in that situation maybe to consider D? decreasing the amount that they're contributing toward retirement if, if uh, you know, it's just a little tight right now? Yeah, almost never. If, if you are on a systematic investment plan, don't let the markets dissuade you from that. So individuals who are closer to retirement, again, you have to think about the portfolio beyond your retirement day, and you have to think about it in your retirement years. So someone in their mid-60s, early 60s who are thinking about retirement, continue to continue to deposit into your account, continue to add into your account. But if you're losing sleep at night, meaning your sleep number, if you're really stressed about the markets, because we all like it when it's going up, but if you're losing sleep when it's going down and you're really stressed, you will not make it deep into retirement because of all that stress you're putting upon yourself. So again, make sure that portfolio, you can tolerate it in good times as well as bad times. Thanks so much, Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. His website, engagewealthgroup.com. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday Plus. Still ahead, using your vacation time to improve your sleep habits. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. All right, this is a fun one because sleep tourism has been growing in popularity for a number of years, but let's learn about it from Angie Rice, co-founder of Scottsdale-based Boutique Travel Advisors, the website travelbta.com. And Angie, I didn't realize this. I, I think every vacation from now on, I'm just going to focus on getting a good night's sleep. Is that sort of the gist of sleep tourism? Right, right. I mean, certainly we're in the business of planning vacations around destinations, but there is this emphasis on, okay, a vacation is a vacation, but let's talk about just retreating, getting away, whether it's more regional, close by, or getting on a plane and heading to a hotel that's really going to satisfy your needs from the standpoint of wellness and relaxation. There is truly this movement towards self-care, and of course, sleep is a big component of self-care. Yeah, and sometimes it really is just a matter of stepping away from your normal uh, sleep schedule, your your normal sleeping area, trying something new. And, and let's be honest, some of these hotels have really nice beds and those really dark curtains so you can get a good night's sleep. Absolutely. And you have to know which hotels are really focused on this concept. Certainly, 
some hotels are leaning towards even promoting uh, branded hotels as being a quieter hotel. You know, Elements is a Marriott um, brand that really focuses on the wellness. And then even the cruise lines, for example, Celebrity has really promoted this category of cabins called the retreat. And it really is that focus on spending more time in your room, hence getting a good night's sleep. So looking for these hotels, I mean, certainly you can find the product that emphasizes the wellness from the standpoint of spa services, yoga, meditation. But at the same time, be mindful if you're planning a vacation with your family and you obviously are going to um, have a, a hybrid of things of priority from the standpoint of keeping kids entertained. But for example, Turtle Bay, Bay and Oahu is a great option because they actually have stay well premium rooms, which focuses on not only, you know, emphasizing the activities uh, on property, but you're then able to retreat to a room that emphasizes that wellness. So look for these options because we all know that you can check into a hotel and it can be really, really noisy. And if that is not a priority for the hotel to kind of keep everything in order, um, you're going to be disappointed. So you really want to emphasize finding the right resort or sometimes it's even the cruise lines that have these options. Well, if you need me, I'll be on a hibernation sabbatical. Thanks so much, Angie Rice, co-founder of Scottsdale-based Boutique Travel Advisors. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.